What an honor and privilege to be here this evening. I just am thankful for the opportunity to stand and preach God's Word. I'm just thankful the, for the wonderful songs. My heart's already prepared for the service. And uh, that's what we should do. We should prepare our hearts before we even get to the house of God. And the night before I start praying and asking the Lord, just prepare my heart for the preached Word of God. And Lord, you just speak to me. And uh, I know I'm a missionary. I want God to speak to me every day. I just want to live in the fullness of His power. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that we serve a God that is not dead. I'm glad that we serve a God that is living. You know, He's not in the tomb. He's not in the manger. He's not on the cross. But He's living on the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us saints. And I will tell you what, He willingly came and died. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I was a sinner bound on my way to hell. And I'm glad that my sin debt was paid by Jesus Christ. That He loved me so much, for God so loved the world, that He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm glad this morning to say that I have everlasting life, and I'm on my way to heaven. On September 2nd, 2009, I bowed my head and received Christ, and I changed my eternal destination from hell to heaven. I'm glad I have passed from death unto life. I tell you, I'm glad I don't have to go to the eternal lake of fire where it's full of fire, brimstone, it's dark, and it's miserable for an eternity. I'm glad glad I get to walk the streets of gold with my Savior, Jesus Christ. We are the Welsh family. I just, Lord just got all inside of me. I just couldn't help but just give him a few minutes of just praising the Lord and what he's done for me in my life. I spent eight years in the United States Marine Corps and I joined the Marine Corps right after I turned 18 and uh, moved away from home, went to end up stationed in Camp Pendleton, California, did two deployments to Iraq, met my wife while I was in the Marine Corps, and she's a lot more spiritual than I am. I'm just teasing, by the way. <laughs> you ask her, she probably says it. But uh, I'm just thankful for my wife and my godly wife because uh, she was saved at the age of 18, and I always tease her, said, you're backslidden on the Lord when you married me. I think it was just the uniform that really just kind of took her. And uh, <laughs> so she told me, we're going back to church with or without you and I was an empty shell of a man trying to fill a void in my life with everything but God and I was trying to fill it with the bottle I was trying to fill it with religion I was trying to fill it with activities I tell you what one day I had the opportunity to come to a church much like this one sitting on the not the back row but the middle of the row and man preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and actually been as a man from Africa who's preached in broken English and the pastor at the time who's a good friend of mine now he said I can't believe that his best man's here he's going to preach in broken Broken English, he's not going to understand a word. He said, but I want to tell you the gospel works. And I understood exactly that I was a sinner bound for hell. And I came and received Jesus Christ as my Savior. Eight short, short eight months later, uh, the Lord called me to preach. I knew I wanted to do something for the Lord. I was excited. And I said, Lord, I said, I want to do whatever you want me to do. And um, I said, I feel like the Lord's calling me to preach. And I said, Lord, if you want me to preach, show me how, uh, show me what I need to do to know that you want me to preach. And the next evening, the pastor's brother or brother walked straight down and surrenders to preach. I said, Lord, it's that easy. And he says, that's easy. I'm just looking for someone that is willing, capable, and surrendered. I said, Lord, I said, I want to be willing, capable, and surrendered to you. I just want to serve you. And so I surrendered to preach and ate, uh, served the rest of my time in the Marine Corps career. Got out. Now we're on our way to Ireland. Um, we've been on deputation 10 months. Lord's that's all the Lord. He's raised 40% of our support, and I just can't believe what He's done. I just, I tell you, I give God all the glory, honor, and praise for it, and I'm thankful for all that He's done. Um, we are 
looking to go in the summer of 2016, but if the Lord blesses, we'll be there sooner. So just please be in prayer with that. We have prayer cards on our table. We have a prayer letter sign-up sheet, and I just warn you now, the fine print document underneath is a legal binding document that you're coming with us. You get stuffed in our suitcase, you get packed in the bags when we're time to leave, and you fly over to Ireland with us. That's kind of our way of Shanghai recruiting, I guess you can say. But anyways, just please be praying for us. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. We'll just be here for a few moments in the Word of God. And this is one of my favorite portions of Scripture because I would love this to be able to be preached at the end of my days. We come here to 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and it's the final chapter, the closing chapter of Timothy. As uh, the book of Timothy, as the Apostle Paul is writing to this young man, he's writing to him, bestowing to him some last final things because he knew his days on this earth were over. He knew that his time was coming to an end, that he was going to be facing the the executioner and that he was going to be with Jesus Christ forever. So we wanted to leave this young man with some uh, final lasting words of wisdom. In 2 Timothy chapter number 4, we'll read the first seven verses. He says in verse number 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant out of season, uh, be the instant season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For now, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. In this verse number 7, if I can have anything said to me about me at the end of my life, I want this to be said about me at the end of my life. The Apostle Paul writes, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Let's pray. Lord, as I come to you in Jesus' name, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for another opportunity to stand and preach your word and be in your house. Lord, I pray just to be an instrument, a vessel used of you, not a one to quench the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray you hide me behind your cross. You use me. Lord, I pray that this be a blessing and a challenge to the people sitting here this evening. And Lord, I pray if there's someone that does not know you as their Savior, that today be the day unto salvation for them. Lord, we want to see a soul snatched from the clutches of hell. Lord, we just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, you just briefly talked before the beginning of reading. This was Paul's final last words to this young man, Timothy. And if I could title this message anything, it would be fight to the finish fight to the finish. This man here, the Apostle Paul, was a man that was a born-again believer, and at one time was known as Saul of Tarsus. And this man, Saul, used to travel around persecuting the church, drawing these people out, wanting to kill the church, not caring anything for Christians. He was zealous for God, but did not have the knowledge of God. And this man, when in Acts chapter number 9, he met Jesus Christ head-on. And his life was radically changed. And whenever he was radically 
changed. The Bible talks about becoming a new creature in Christ. And He became this new creature in Christ. Old things passed away. Behold, all things became new. And the next day He was out preaching the Gospel. And this is the beginning part of His ministry, what I'm speaking about. So this man, what caused him to fight the good fight until the end? And I tell you what, it was his relationship with Jesus Christ. At his conversion, he was changed from an unbeliever to a believer. One thing I see in Acts chapter 26 that really strikes a chord in my heart in Acts chapter 8, or Acts chapter 26, verse 19, the Bible says as he's standing in front of the king and giving him his testimony, and he brings it down to a final statement. He's telling, he's trying to draw the king, he's trying to give him the gospel, he's trying to get him to get saved. But here in verse number 19, he said, he was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And that heavenly vision is the gospel of Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. And he said, I do not want to be disobedient unto the heavenly vision that God has given me. And that given me is His, uh, given me salvation. So he's bestowing these last few things. In the first five verses, he tells this man to continue. To continue. He says in verse number 1, he says, in, I charge thee before, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. He says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And in verse number 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And that sounds like the day and age that we're living in. There's the day and age we're living in. People don't want to hear the sound doctrine of God's word. They want their ears to be tickled. They want their, uh, their flesh to be met. They like to live in the world. They don't want to look at the world through the lens of the Bible anymore. And this is the time and day and age just much like Timothy was living in, we're living in today. He's telling them to continue in front of all oppositions. He says, if for the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But he says here, but watch thou in all things. But watch thou in all things. You know, I spent, I spent five years, eight years in the United States Marine Corps, and oftentimes we stood watch, we stood post, and whenever we would stand post, we would stand that post to make sure nothing bad was happening. We were standing that post so that way the enemy would not infiltrate our lines. We were standing there for the safety of the aircraft that we guarded. We were there standing guards, keeping watch over the equipment that we were told to do. But this man here, Paul, was riding this young man, Timothy, but to watch thou in all things. We are to be watchmen of God in the day and age that we're living in. We are to continue. We're supposed to be standing on his, uh, standing on the castle wall watching and ensuring that people don't come into the church and destroy the church. We are to go out there and endure the afflictions. The next one says, and endure the afflictions that are to come upon us. I want to read you a few other verses of Scripture. Endure afflictions. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3, the Bible says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And if you're a born-again believer here this evening, you are a soldier in God's army. You have been enlisted the day that you called upon His name. And I would tell you, you have, uh, you have been given the commission, and the gr- that commission is the great commission. We're supposed to go into our Jerusalem, and into our Judea, and into our Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And I love my pastor. You can ask him, he says, you know, I'm in a missionary. And I said, you are a pastor? He said, yes, sir. I'm a missionary to the city of Cartersville. This is where God has put me. This is where 
God has planted me. I want to tell you what, you are a missionary to the city of Granite Falls, North Carolina, and you are responsible for reaching your Jerusalem. And when we go over to Ireland, we'll be responsible for reaching our new Jerusalem, which is your uttermost part of the earth. But he says, Thou all things endure afflictions. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 12, says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. We're just going to talk just a few minutes about being a soldier, what it means to be and the soldier, be a soldier in God's army. Here in Ephesians chapter number six, God gives us everything that we need to be able to withstand the enemy. In verse number ten of Ephesians chapter number six, He says, "Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God." that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I want you to see, we don't fight a physical enemy. So oftentimes, sometimes, whenever the thing's coming at us, it might be a physical person, it might be a physical object, but the Bible says we're not fighting a physical enemy. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. And he says, Wherefore, take, you, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then he says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with, the truth, with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and then above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and we'll just stop there just for a second you know the lord has given us his spiritual armor because we're not fighting against a physical enemy we're fighting against a spiritual enemy when i was in the when i was in the military I often refer to it where you go and fly as a crew chief you know i shot big machine guns i have a big helicopter but oftentimes we go pre-flight our aircraft to make sure our aircraft was good we put on our helmet we put on our flag jacket vest and we make sure we'd have all our defensive armor and we have the things that would pop out if we got surface-to-air missiles shot at us, and we had all this gear to be able to uh, to be a defensive weapon to us, but we also had our offensive weapon. We also had mini guns and 50 cals, and we flew with Cobras that carried our 20 millimeter guns. And not only does God give you these these defensive weapons, but He also gives you an offensive weapon. Is what I'm trying to get at. And that offensive weapon is the Word of God, and we see that here in verse number 17. He says, "In the Word of the Spirit, which is the." Word of God. In Hebrews chapter number 4, I'll quickly turn there. In Hebrews chapter number 4, we see something else about the Word of God that is talked about in there. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 12, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and then of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner. Uh, the center of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We carry around the sword of the Spirit. We car- carry around God's 
offensive weapon. We carry around his sword, and the sword is only good if it's unsheathed and it's used. Turn with me to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter number 23, and we'll just take an example of this man, one of David's mighty men, that just really struck a chord in my heart as I was reading this verse of Scripture because it talks about David's mighty men standing in battle when no one else would. It says when the whole armies of God fled, these David's mighty men stood for right. They stood for their king. And here in verse uh, number 9, we see a specific man. He says, And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahoahite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. And he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. I want you to see, he arose when all Israel fled. They defied the armies of the Philistines and he went and took his sword and went and fought that army of the Philistines until his hand grew weary. And I want you to see what the next part of the Word of God says. His hand grew weary and his hand clave unto the sword. When we think about something claving, you think about something joining together. He went to this battle, and he, when everybody else fled, he stood for what's right. And we see this man, the Apostle Paul, as we look later on in the message, all men forsook him, but God was the only one that stood with him. And that's the only person we really need to stand with us. And whenever he went to battle, he swung that sword around, and it became an extension of his body. And it says it claved to his hand. And just like in the day and age, not even the day and age, we as Christians, we need to unsheathe our swords, which is the Word of God, go to battle, take the offensive weapon, and our hand will grow weary and it needs to clave to the Word of God and become an extension of our body. It needs to become shut up in our bones as a burning fire so we cannot stay. That's what the Word of God needs to become in our lives because it is our sword to be able to combat these, uh, this combat, this enemy that we're fighting. So this man here tells him to continue. Turn back with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Talk about it quickly, just being what it was to be a soldier, endure afflictions, do the work of the do the work of an evangelist. He wants us to go out and reach people with the gospel, make full proof of that ministry. I think that believe I believe that says to strengthen, make full proof. Don't allow anybody to be able to come and say there's something wrong with it. Make it full proof. But secondly, we see him tell him to contend. First, we see him to continue. Secondly, we see him to contend. In verse number six. It says, For I am not ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In Jude chapter number three, we see, Jude, or not chapter number three, just verse number three, we see him say, earnestly contend for the faith. This man, Timothy, if any, or Paul, who knew anything about what it meant to earnestly contend for the faith, fight for the faith. I'm just going to read you some things out of the book of Acts that this man suffered, what he went through. In Acts chapter 13, verse 44 through 45, he faced opposition. In Acts 14.5, they were almost stoned in Iconium. In Acts 14.19, Paul was stoned for preaching Jesus in Lystra. In Acts 16.22-24, they were beaten and jailed at Philippi. And I want to tell you what, oftentimes we can feel like we're in a Philippian jail experience. And this man, he was cast in the innermost part of the prison. And instead of having the woe-is-me moments, he rejoiced that they were able to suffer for the Lord. And I want to tell you what, the Word of God says that the whole entire 
jail heard him. I want to tell you, there was a big earthquake that happened. His chains come undone, and the Philippian jailer pulled out his sword because he was going to jump on it. Because in that day and age, if you allowed a prisoner to they would take your life in place of that person's life. So he, he thought his life was going to be ended. And so he was going to take his own life. And Paul stopped him from taking his own life. And he said he sprang into the inner prison where Paul was. And you know what? The Apostle Paul was able to lead him and his whole entire family to the Lord Jesus Christ. And oftentimes we're in our Philippian jail experiences. We can miss the blessings that God has for us. We can miss those Philippian jailers. In Acts 17, 5 through 6, they turned the world upside down. In Acts 19, 23 through 41, Paul faced persecution due to the silversmiths. And in verse 23, they said there was no small stir. In Acts 21, 27 through 40, and 23, 12 through 14, Paul's, Paul is seized and imprisoned, and a plot was put together to put him to death. Acts 27, 14 through 44, the men suffered shipwreck. In Acts 28.3, Paul was bitten by a viper. These are just a few things that the Apostle Paul went through. He's telling him, I want you to fight the good fight of faith. He goes, I have fought. He goes, I have fought a good fight. He had all the stripes on his back. He was broken down. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was spit on. He was escaped by night down the wall. This man knew what it meant to fight the good fight of faith. In First Peter chapter number one, verse number seven, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than your run of gold. And can I give you a word of testimony this evening? See my wife. <clears throat> see my son. <clears throat> but what you don't see is our would-be three-year-old daughter. She was born with many complications. She lived 19 days and passed away. If any time in my life I could have just come over to the pew and sat down and said, I quit. I want nothing left. I don't want anything of it. It probably could have been that time. I was a young Christian in the Lord two years. But I want to tell you what, the peace of God passeth all understanding. And I'm glad I have the hope of eternal life. And just like the man David said, whenever his son died, he said, you know what, I can't bring him down here to me, but I can go to him. And there's no thing in this world that I would want to bring her back to this sin-cursed world. I'm looking forward, because I'm just passing through, to going home and being able to sit at my Savior's feet. And just like the Word of God here says, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold. We're not made in the Christian Christian life by the blessings that we receive. We're made in the Christian life by the trials that come into our life and how we exercise faith in those trials. He says that the trial of being much more precious than gold, though it be tried with fire. Does anybody understand what it means to be tried by fire? We have often men in our church that uh, work at the local steel mill and they take the scrap metal and they melt down that scrap metal and all that impurity is pulled out of it until they get a more finer refined piece of steel. And that the trial of your faith being much more precious than the don't be tried by fire. I'll tell you what, whenever we go through those fiery trials of faith, we're getting tried, we're getting impurities are being pulled out of us and we're being fashioned and shaped more into the image of Christ. That's why it says that it's more precious than of gold. It says, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Fight the good fight. Contend. Continue. Secondly, you see him here. He says, I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. Just something here on 
finishing your course. You know, I was in the aviation unit in the Marine Corps, and oftentimes, how many of you are familiar with aviation and uh, know about what it means to go double IMC is what they call it? That means when you fly into the clouds, you can't see anything, but you, maybe your hand in front of you, and you have to fly by the gauges. And we had what they called a precision air approach, and we fly into these clouds, and all of a sudden our pilots would uh, turn a certain heading where they knew it was safe. We weren't going to run into any mountains or any uh, obstacles, and they would immediately call the precision air approach and said, hey, we need you to we need you to get us back home. And they would send out this kind of what they call a squawk, and they'd pick us up, and they'd be like, we'd be at 2,000 feet, heading in one direction, and immediately they'd come over and say, we want to turn right, heading 220, which is the heading, and we'd line us up on the runway. And any time in our descent, as we were coming down on the runway, we'd come a little bit right, and they'd say, hey, I need you to turn just a little left, you're just a little left of course. I need you to come heading this way. And they'd bring us just left, of course, and they'd tell us when to roll out and be back on course. Or we'd be a little bit too high, because if we were too high, we'd overshoot the runway. If we were too low, we could crash into something. But I'll tell you what, how do we keep our course in these turbulent times? We keep our course by the Word of God. We keep our course by sticking in the Word of God. And it is that precision air approach guy that comes over our radar and says, hey, you need to turn. You're slightly ahead of course. And that's what the Word of God does to us. It convicts us of our sins. It tells us when we're doing right. It tells us when we're doing wrong. It helps keep a lamp under our feet and a light unto our path. So he says, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And he says, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. And he was, he was saying, he's like, I've kept it to the end. I have not erred from the faith. I have not shipwrecked my life. But lastly, let's see Paul's current sufferings. And he tells us to confide and conquer. In verses 8, we'll see, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretan is to Galatia, Titus unto Demalta. He said, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. We're going to stop here just one second. He says, the cloak that I left at Troas uh, with Carpus... Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. He knew winter was coming, and we see that in verse 21. He says, do thy diligence to come before winter. So he was in desperate need of his cloak, because he didn't know how much longer he was going to be there. But it also says, when thou comest, bring thy cloak. And, but he says, bring with thee the books. So he wanted his books, but he says, Ex- but especially the parchments. He said, you know what, you can leave my cloak, you can leave my books, but you better not forget the Word of God. He goes out, you think about this man, he's in the jail, his current sufferings, and the only thing he has to confide in is Christ. And oftentimes in our life, the only thing that we have to confide in is Christ. And you know, that should be the only thing, that should be the sufficient thing, that needs to be the only insufficient thing that we have. And we see in verse number 10, he says, for demons have forsaken me, having loved this present world. We see... In verse number 11, only Luke is with me. We see this man, a prominent man of God. He have almost half the New Testament written because of this man, that God worked through this man. And you know what? At the end of his days, he was standing there all by himself. But he says here in verse number 16, 
At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Now I love to have that testimony. He didn't have a bitter spirit about it. And you think about it, he says, I pray God that it not be laid to his charge. You know where else you see that in the word of God? Go over to the stoning of Stephen, where they laid the garments at the man's feet. And that man's feet was Saul of Tarsus. And as they were throwing the rocks at Stephen's head, he said, Lord, lay not this on their charge. Where do you think that man heard that from? Where do you think that man saw that grace from? In that time of death. See, I pray God that that may be laid at this charge. But I want you to see, whenever everybody had forsaken him, everybody had gone from him, I want you to write down four simple things if you have a pen and paper. So whenever you're at this point, if you're at this, ever at this point in your life, I want you to see, the Bible says, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. I want you notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. He said, it doesn't matter how many people don't stand with me. The Lord will stand with me. And every trial, every tribulation, when we were going through that time with our daughter, I want to tell you, the Lord stood with us during that time. He was there with us every step of the way. And the Lord stood this man during all the trials, during all the tribulations, but not only did he stand with them, because you could stand with somebody, but the Bible also says he strengthened him. He said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. So God stood with this man during the trials and tribulations of his life. So he learned what it meant to confide and conquer in Christ. The Lord strengthened him, gave him the strength. Three times he asked the Lord to take away the thorn in his flesh. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. We see all the times where he's beaten, mocked, how he fought the good fight of faith, yet the Lord him to continue to preach the gospel. So the Lord will stand with you. He will strengthen you. And nextly, he says in verse number 17, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So we see the past delivered. So not only will the Lord stand with you, he will strengthen you. He delivered man whenever he was tossed in the arena to be torn to shreds by these lions. He said, you know what? The Lord, He has deli- He stood with me. He strengthened me. I know He delivered me. Past tense in the English. He, but He also says in verse number 18, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. So not only did He have faith in God that He will stand, strengthen, and del- He has delivered in the past, He will continue to do what He said He would. He said, you know what? I del- God says, I delivered you in the past. I could deliver you here in the present. And I'll continue to deliver you in the future. But not only does he deliver, but he also preserves. And that is the last one. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. And I'm thankful that the Lord has stood with me in the times that I need him. I'm thankful that the Lord strengthened me, strengthens me when I have no strength and I can lean on him. 
I'm thankful for all the past times when God has delivered me out of that mouth of the lion, just like that man, the Apostle Paul. And I'm thankful that he has delivered me out of many things even now. And in the future, I'm thankful for the things that he'll deliver me from. But I'm also glad he's preserved me unto heaven. I'm glad that I know heaven is my home. I'm glad I know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And if you don't have the hope of eternal life, you can leave today and understand what it means to have Jesus Christ as your Savior and have the hope of eternal life. So I just wanted to tell you this evening, I just hope I encourage you to tell you to continue to contend, and to confide and conquer in Christ. Lord, as I come to you in Jesus' name, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to stand and preach your word yet again. Lord, I pray that you used it. Lord, I pray I did not quench the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that it gave the saints help. Lord, I pray for the people who don't know you, the sinners, Lord. Lord, I pray that today be the day unto salvation for them, Lord. I pray that they come down and get born again. Lord, I just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.